Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. When it comes to understanding our ADHD, it can be a bit of a minefield to navigate. One of our most pernicious problems is that we're almost never really educated about what it means to have ADHD. And what we do learn mostly comes from pop culture and doesn't really reflect what ADHD is actually about. We can help manage our ADHD by learning to accept it, but that can be really hard to do if we don't have a good grasp of what having ADHD means. So in today's episode, we're going to be diving into the three ADHD subtypes, or presentations as they're now being called, and then looking at how this can help us understand our own ADHD. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash subtypes. All right, keep on listening to find out what kind of space cadet you are. Hey, before we really get started, I just want to emphasize that I am not a doctor and that nothing I say in this episode should be considered a diagnosis. If after I go through the subtypes, you feel like you really resonate with one, but haven't been diagnosed yet, my suggestion would be to schedule yourself to go see a real doctor. This episode can be a good first step in exploring ADHD, but it definitely shouldn't be your last one. All right, now on with the show. ADHD is a spectrum disorder, which means that it includes a wide list of conditions and severity which can help define your ADHD. This also means that you're definitely not going to have all the symptoms of ADHD. This wide list of symptoms can also lead people to the conclusion, well, hey, everyone's a little ADHD, right? Well, yes, everyone does forget things. Everyone gets distracted from time to time. Everyone can also be impulsive sometimes. But what sets ADHD apart is that the symptoms are frequent and they also impair your day-to-day life. So yeah, everyone might lose their car keys every once in a while. I lost my keys so frequently in college that I figured out my friend's schedules so that it was easier for me to get back in the dorm, regardless if I had my keys or not. I even lost them for a month once. They were in my laundry basket, which also probably tells you something about how on top of my laundry I was as well. Ugh. So yeah, everyone is going to experience symptoms of ADHD. But for it to be a disorder, it needs to impact you in several areas of your life and be consistent or at least consistently inconsistent as it may be with ADHD. Just take it from when I was diagnosed. In my mind, everyone's brain worked like my brain did. The fact that I often had vastly different results from other people came from the notion that I was lazy or I just wasn't motivated enough. I mean, there were things that I was amazing at. In middle school and high school, I played the card game Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I definitely was a nerd. And I knew the ins and outs of all the rules. I even played a game with my friends where they'd name a card and I'd be able to tell them exactly what it did for memory. Which means I couldn't have ADHD, right? Because my memory for magic cards was amazing. And yet, in that same trap box of a mind, I still wasn't able to ace history tests because I wasn't able to memorize dates well. The point being here that the way ADHD affects you may not always be consistent. Now, I also want to address some stuff about ADHD that you may have picked up over the years and answer some of the questions you have, like... What the heck happened to ADD? Well, first, I'm not going to give the entire history of ADHD here, but let's start off with the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM, which is often used by many health professionals to diagnose a lot of mental health conditions. 
although there is some discrepancy in how it's used. But we don't need to get into that right now. Anyway, the DSM gets updated every few years, and during those updates, things change. In 1980, ADD was added to the DSM-3. Before that, it was known as Hyperkinetic Reaction of Childhood. ADHD was then added in an update to the DSM-3 in 1987, and then in 1994, in the update to the DSM-4, ADD was removed and added as the inattentive subtype of ADHD. So basically, ADD and ADHD were combined, and this makes sense with how these subtypes work. And now quickly here, the word subtype is being phased out in favor of presentation because it's more about how your ADHD presents and how that can change over time, and the word subtype kind of implies that it's more of a permanent condition rather than something that's in flow. Anyways, so we have three presentations of ADHD. The hyperactive impulsive, inattentive, which was formerly ADD, and combined. For me, the reason that the combination of ADHD and ADD makes sense is that combined is the most common presentation of ADHD. And while studies have found various ratios, the basic breakdown is about 60% combined, 30% inattentive, and 10% hyperactive impulsive. This breakdown was a little surprising for me since the stereotypical idea of ADHD is that kid bouncing off the wall with that hyperactive impulsive presentation. How could that only be 10% of the diagnoses? Well, then I thought about the combined presentation, which, you know, means it also has the hyperactive impulsive presentation there as well in that 60%. Nonetheless, it still surprised me to see that the inattentive presentation was in roughly 90% of diagnoses because that's that 60% plus that 30%. But it also makes sense in seeing that often the inattentive side is what people are struggling with most. And also as a note here, yeah, the ADHD diagnosis has changed in the past and I wouldn't be surprised if it changed again in the future as we learn more and more about the condition. While you're listening to this episode, I want you to keep that in mind, that what I'm saying isn't definitive, and that, yeah, the science might change. None of this is set in stone. All right, well, let's get into what we can expect from some of these presentations. We're going to start off with a little of that hyperactive impulsivity, as well, we got to be in the front of the line, right? As I mentioned earlier, this is that stereotypical view of ADHD where we see the kids constantly squirming in the seats or bouncing off the walls. And just as a note, I don't know how common it is, but there have been definitely a number of times in my life where I've run into walls so hard that I've literally bounced off of them. I mean, that happens to everyone, right? Anyways, the hyperactive impulsive presentation is characterized with being fidgety, restlessness, noisy, talkative, impulsive reactions, struggling to wait your turn, or being disruptive. Although it's also important to realize that hyperactivity can look a bit different in adults. It's a lot easier to see in kids since they are being, well, hyperactive. But let's look a bit at this word. As a prefix, hyper means to go above and beyond in an excessive extent. And so hyperactive simply means a way of saying more active than you normally would be. I know, not rocket science here. But let's think about this in terms of being adults. Maybe we don't run down the halls anymore or try to climb the stairs from the outside of the banister. Instead, we're restless or we wear people up because we simply want to do so many things. We can't stay seated at our desks. I mean, I have an Apple Watch and one of the health features is a reminder to stand up every hour for at least a minute for 12 hours a day. I literally didn't know what it was measuring for the first few months I had my watch because I was just consistently hitting that goal every day without trying. Since owning the watch, which has been a couple of years now, 
I think I've missed that goal twice, and both times were because I was really sick. Point is, I have trouble staying in my seat. I get up and move around all the time. You can't see me right now, but as I'm reading the script, my hands are doing so many actions that don't mean anything because I'm just reading to a screen. It doesn't feel hyperactive, but is more active than what we generally expect people to be. For me, it's normal. I barely notice that I've gotten up. I don't notice how animated my hands are when I'm talking. This is also why I'm back to using a sitting desk. When I had a standing desk, I'd get distracted and just walk away. Not quite the goal I was going for there. Maybe I just need to invest a tether to keep me in place. Although I'm sure my inattentive side would kick in and I'd probably forget about it and just pull my desk over as I tried to go check on something else. Alright, so that's the hyperactive, impulsive side of things. Now let's take a quick look at that inattentive side. Most people think of inattentive ADHD as predominantly in girls, but do remember that about 90% of diagnoses show inattentive symptoms, and that's the inattentive presentation and the combined presentation, or combined. So a vast majority of all diagnoses are going to include this side of ADHD. It's often thought of as spacey, apathetic behavior in children, and then as adults as more of a mood disorder or just general anxiety. And the symptoms can be characterized as making careless mistakes, having a short attention span, not being able to listen, disorganization, being lazy or maybe apathetic, distractibility, forgetfulness, and just being unable to follow through with your commitments. So there you have it. Those are the indicators of both the hyperactive impulsive presentation and the inattentive presentation. Now, what I listed above wasn't the clinical symptoms. In a clinical setting, you'd be gauged on nine symptoms in each subtype, and then would be diagnosed if you had six or more of those symptoms, or be seen as a combined type if you had six or more symptoms in both subtypes. And that's actually just for people under 16. Once you reach 17, you only need to exhibit five symptoms in each category. ADHD is a developmental disorder, so as we age, we do expect to see some changes in how it presents, although most people who had ADHD as a kid will tend to still have it as an adult. Okay, so that's how these presentations work. But so what? Well, one of the messages I really want to make sure everyone here can really internalize is that we all ADHD in our own ways. Looking back on that list, there are lots of symptoms, especially when we're looking at the combined type. We're definitely not going to have all those symptoms. Remember, for a clinical diagnosis, you only need to have six of the symptoms present, five if you're an adult, which means that the way your ADHD presents is always going to be different from how someone else's ADHD works. And this is an important idea for us to latch onto, because there are going to be days when we doubt our ADHD. There are going to be days when we think we're just fooling everyone about our ADHD. And let me tell you, those days aren't great. Those are the days where I decide that the reason that everything is so hard for me isn't because of how my brain is wired. It's because I just suck at being a person. That I'm a piece of human garbage. That the ADHD is just an easy excuse. And that here's my true colors. I know this because I've been there a bunch of times. It didn't matter that I went through a fairly rigorous diagnosis and that I resonate so well with other ADHDers. And it's something that a lot of people with ADHD experience at some point. For me, a big part of it often comes from doing something well. And yeah, that does seem kind of messed up. Some days I'm so on point and I'm getting everything done. I'm not forgetting things. I'm staying on task. 
And then my brain tells me, well, maybe you don't have ADHD, because if you're doing so well today, how could you have ADHD? Wow, way to rain on my parade, brain. And some days my brain is just going to want to kick me while I'm down. So it's helpful to understand that we have ADHD in our own ways. We all have the things that we struggle with, and we all have the things that we're good at. And there's no way for that to be dictated by what's typical for people with ADHD. Personally, I love working with spreadsheets. Yeah, spreadsheets. Oh, man. Getting the formulas to just how you want them to work across multiple spreadsheets? Mwah! So good. But I also know for a lot of ADHDers, spreadsheets kind of just melt their brains. There's also this idea that sometimes our symptoms can lead us in other directions. For a lot of people with the inattentive presentation, their punishment for not paying close attention to detail and making careless mistakes led them to becoming perfectionists. Or a hyperactive impulsive presentation might switch to not talking as much after constant reprimands for always talking out of turn or not raising their hand in class. Or these people might not overcorrect in the opposite direction all and still do the same thing. Just because one person's ADHD works in one way, it in no way dictates how someone else's might react. And this is all to say, yeah, at some point you might find yourself doubting your ADHD. That happens. It can suck. But it's normal. The point here is that we all have our own unique ADHD, and what's important is that you focus on doing the things that help with your brain. While I explore a lot of things in this podcast, not everything is going to pertain to your special brand of ADHD. I know sometimes I just want to do all the things, and that's great, but sometimes I don't need to do all the things. I could just focus on doing the things that are really going to make a difference, because while doing all the things is great, it can also be tiring. And while it can be hard to prioritize what you need over what really looks fun to do, in the end, it will give you the time and energy to do those fun things. All right, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One. ADHD is a spectrum disorder that includes a wide list of conditions and severity, which means that your ADHD is just that, yours. No one is going to have the exact same symptoms that you do, so don't worry about comparing yourself to others, even if you do resonate with a lot of the stories you hear in the community. 2. The three presentations of ADHD are hyperactive-impulsive, inattentive, and combined. We can roughly estimate that about 10% of diagnoses are hyperactive-impulsive, 30% are inattentive, and 60% are combined. 3. I know this was basically the first tip, but it bears repeating. We're all going to be ADHDing in our own way. Your struggles aren't going to be the same struggles that everyone else has, and so it's important to focus on what's going to make the biggest difference for you. You can find show notes for this episode at hackingyouradhd.com slash subtypes. And now for your moment of dad. I have a friend that claims he accidentally glued himself to his autobiography. I'm not sure I believe him, but that's his story and he's sticking to it.